Hi, my name is Jill and welcome to The Void, the show where I have an existential crisis in public. Polyamory is having a total moment. Everyone is talking about it. We all know someone who is in a polyamorous relationship right now. It's the thing. I personally like that people are giving the default setting of society actual thought. But it did make me curious about how we arrived at monogamy in the first place. We are polyamorous by nature after all, so what the hell happened? Okay, so why monogamy? The answer is not very sexy, but um, the answer is infanticide. Men kept killing rival men's babies because, well, let's objectively observe human babies. Hear me out. There's no denying they're adorable as fuck. Their life depends on it. Where a giraffe basically walks out of the womb. Babies can't do much of anything. They need care way longer than any other animal in the kingdom because they are born with giant brains, but also underdeveloped ones. And it takes 25 years for these human brains to be completely developed. What sets the human parenting experience apart is the long-term, drawn-out nature of it. Prehistoric men knew this. They knew raising kids was depleting these women's resources. So they killed other men's babies to mate with her and to make sure that she uses all her resources for his kid. So basically, if you were a man in prehistoric society, if you wanted your genes to have a fighting chance at survival, you would stay with the person you impregnated just to make sure no rival man harms your baby. And of course, his constant presence would have the benefit of knowing for sure that the baby is his. A lot of people wrongfully think that monogamy happened because we wanted to raise our children together, but that's not true. Parenting together was a cute consequence of monogamy, but it wasn't the reason we became monogamous. Also, let's get one thing straight. Monogamy was the best thing that could have ever happened to men. You know, back in the day, men would have to pound their chest and, uh, you know, like show off their virility to look for a woman. The men who weren't into fighting obviously had a big disadvantage when it came to reproduction but monogamy made it possible for even men who weren't the strongest wealthiest or hottest in the tribe to have families in the first place monogamy was also a very good solution to women gaining larger territory the further away women lived and they tended to live far away from men which i you know they might have been onto something so the further away women lived from men the harder it was to find a woman let alone keep a couple of them turns out having hoes in different area codes is not conducive to your reproductive success so instead of risking their lives on the grasslands to find a woman they decided you know what there's a woman here i'll just go for the one that's closest by the one thing that I hate about evolutionary biology is that it doesn't keep queer people or same-sex people into account because everything I just said, none of this explains why there are plenty of people with gender identities that are not male and female who live happy and monogamously. So I, I looked it up and the only thing I could find as a explanation was good old-fashioned sexual jealousy. Turns out it doesn't matter if you can reproduce or not. You want to keep what's yours. It's just this deep primal instinct to make sure no one takes what's yours. And of course we know people are not your property, but your hindbrain doesn't know that. Here's my crazy theory. The reason I think queer people and gay people have always been revolutionary when it comes to relationship forms, because they're not slaves to these ancient mechanisms that 
demand reproduction. Maybe that's why straight people fuck it up all the time. Maybe it's because there's so much biological noise that we can't hear each other. But this is all just theory. This is just me speculating. People going, I'll behave if you behave, played a massive role in our massive brain and the choices our ancestors decided to make with those brains, regardless of our nature. And I want to emphasize the word choice. Okay, sure, no, we're not naturally monogamous, but our ancestors saw a problem, babies kept dying, and used monogamy to solve it. And I think that's pretty damn impressive for a species that didn't even have a frontal lobe yet. It's funny because choice, or at least conscious choice, doesn't seem to be at the forefront of today's monogamy at all. Monogamy is still seen as the default, so how, uh, how did that happen? So of course the ancient Greeks were the first to establish social monogamy. By the way, did you know Zeus was raised by a goat? Social monogamy was a life or death thing. It was the difference between having a full military force and defeat, between having a thriving economy and living in poverty. I'm aware that this sounds incredibly dramatic, but these leaders of this society knew that they needed their men in one place. They needed them to pay taxes, you know, they couldn't use men roaming around for women. So they stigmatized the roaming around a bit. And that's how social monogamy happened. So, okay, so at some point, the Romans got really into Christianity. Christianity had to come and fuck it all up by making it a moral thing, even though there nothing in the Bible says you can't have more partners, but okay, sure. That happened, and then during the 18th century, we became very secular. Instead of believing in God, we started believing in ourselves. Do you think the death of God would lead to the death of monogamy, right? Well, no. What these psychopaths did was link monogamy with romanticist ideology, which is the reason we all have problems today. First of all, changed relationships for us forever the way we view relationships now is is a consequence of that century this is the first time in human history that it was implied that monogamy love and commitment had anything to do with each other and on top of that the bourgeoisie had to go and make it all weird by uh, making getting married for love a thing okay so skipping a couple of decades it's the sexual revolution now. We all got to be whores thanks to the introduction of the pill. Everyone's doing everyone. By the way, this is old news, but in case you haven't heard, did you know Marlon Brando and Richard Pryor used to have sex with each other all the time? What made me laugh is be <laughs> what made me laugh is Richard Pryor's wife made a comment about it. She was like, "Yeah, yeah, no, that's totally true. It was the 70s. The drugs were good." So we would all hang out, do quaaludes, and then bang each other, which sounds like a good time. How did I get here? Oh yeah, sexual revolution, the 70s. We were having fun. We were having sex left and right. It was a good time. And then tragically, our fun was cut short because of the AIDS epidemic. The health crisis scared people so much that we reverted to 1950s ideals, postponing intimacy and considering not having had a lot of sexual partners, virtuous, that kind of stuff. 
it made monogamy the norm again. You might have noticed the pattern, but this was yet again a time in human history where we needed to protect ourselves. So we started implementing monogamy again in the same way that ancient Greeks did and our ancestors did. Monogamy has mostly been used as a protective measure for society. Queer couples and same-sex couples have been exploring alternative relationships for decades now. It's nothing new. And I think straights just started to catch on for a couple of reasons. Most of those reasons are the internet. There's no more risking your life on the tundra to find a partner. You don't even physically have to be in someone's presence to date them. So my theory is that the lack of roaming and the illusion of choice are making non-monogamy attractive again. Everyone is trying to avoid getting feels for someone. That is very pre-18th century. The last couple of generations have successfully torn love and sex apart again. And dating apps helped us do it. Also, most of the sex we have is non-reproductive. So there's no need to safeguard the continuation of your progeny by staying with someone. And on top of that, women are financially independent now, so there's no need to marry her off to one man. And we're too individualistic to still engage in social monogamy because we don't care what the neighbors think anymore. And lastly, we're on top of the food chain. We don't have to dodge flying sharks, so we're safe. These are one of the safest times in human history. So it makes sense that our need for monogamy has changed. I would even go as far to say that they make monogamy unnecessary. We're safe enough to not need it. It makes sense that at this specific time of our existence, the amount of people who are willing to experiment with alternative relationships is growing really fast. I, for one, am very happy that people are experimenting and realizing that what works for others doesn't have to work for them. And I love that we can talk about it and that we're open about it. But I'd like to talk about all the ways in which open relationships and polyamory can fuck us up. Just because I feel like we need to discuss this side of it too if we want to make real choices. So this is my attempt to make sure that if people choose that they do so armed with knowledge about themselves. One way polyamorous and open relationships can fuck us up is if we don't understand what we're doing. For example, a lot of people confuse open relationships with polyamory. Those are not the same things, so we're already fucking up. Open relationships are about having your sexual itch scratched, where polyamory is about intimacy and connecting on a deeper level with more people. So what I'm saying is make sure that you and your partner are talking about the same thing. Have a clear vision of what you're trying to achieve here. The next way polyamory and open relationships can fuck us up is when we use them as a bargaining chip. What I often see in my environment is that non-monogamy becomes a final resort type thing. People tend to open their relationships while what they should be doing is breaking up. And of course, if your physical needs are not being met in a relationship, it seems logical to open your relationship, right? But since sex is never about sex, there's a good chance that having sex with others will not be a replacement for the intimacy and connection you're craving from the person you're with. And using alternative relationships as a solution for a problem is risky. Opening a relationship to save it 
It's like having a baby to save a marriage. Just like every other relationship out there, it's not going to be cute if you choose it because you feel like you're backed into a corner. So I think a good rule of thumb is if a polyamorous relationship or open relationship is not something you'd agree to if your relationship looked exactly how you wanted it, then you're probably barking up the wrong tree. Then your relationship form is not the problem, just your relationship. Maybe you're just scared to leave. Or maybe you feel like the only way you can keep this person in your life is by accepting scraps of them. Is this actually what you want? Or is this the most you think you can get? And this is an important one. Polyamorous relationships will fuck us up if we're not securely attached. Generally speaking, polyamory and open relationships are where safely attached people thrive. These are the people who are emotionally equipped to handle a relationship that complex. We really want to be sure that we're not using non-monogamy as a shield to hide behind. For instance, the avoidant attached person might think they're perfectly healthy and with all their partners and blah, blah, blah. But maybe they're using open relationships and polyamory to bond with a lot of people, but never really deep relationship with anyone. If you're an anxiously attached person, there's a really big chance that you'll agree to an open relationship or a uh, polyamorous relationship if you think that's the only way you can keep the relationship. And just to be clear, this isn't judgment. I couldn't be further removed from a safe attachment if I launched myself into space. I'm just saying that for our kind, emotional safety is the most important thing ever learning that people can be safe. Someone wholeheartedly choosing us has the potential to heal our inner kid. Because eventually, isn't that what all unsafe attachment is about? As kids, we never felt prioritized. We never felt seen or chosen, if you will. Maybe we grew up without evidence that love can be kind and safe, that people are actually capable of loving us and truly think that who we are is enough. If any of this resonates with you, what you should be focusing on is learning how to nurture one healthy relationship. Because statistically, there's a big chance you've never had one. This is not a cute starting point for any relationship, let alone a really complex one. The best way I can describe it is like this. Unsafely attached people are doing relationships with their training wheels on. And that is okay. Just don't sign up for NASCAR. Even if you are safely attached, polyamory and uh, open relationships are the rainbow Marchenko of relationships. Just make sure you, you don't force yourself into it, that you feel like you should be the person who has no problem with it. If you can't make it work for whatever reason, be nice to yourself, step back and applaud yourself for trying something new. With all of that being said, would I try an open relationship? Absolutely fucking not. How greedy do you have to be to have me as your girlfriend and still not have enough? I effectively count for 12 people. This man would have to have no job and a tiny speed addiction just to keep up with me. I don't know who in their right mind would do this to themselves. Also, I have enough self-awareness to know an open relationship with fuck me up and I'm not trying to be cute. It would be devastating. My experience with romantic relationships 
is so bad that I made a pact with myself, that I promised myself that if I ever see someone again, I will shut up about him until we're married. Because the amount of times I had to explain to my friends that a thing yet again didn't work. Oh my God. At this point, it's just embarrassing to my core. Every time it happens, it feels like I get a tiny shitty trophy for my emotional incompetence. I'm conditioned like Pavlov's dog. Now I even feel embarrassed when I get my hopes up. And that if I look at polyamorous relationships or open relationships, all I see is more chances for men to fuck with me. And they've had enough chances. I just don't have the emotional capacity. And the most important reason why I wouldn't consider an open relationship is because I believe with every fiber of my being that there's no way that there's sex out there good enough to justify the hassle. If you're a straight woman in an open relationship, how good is the sex you're having out there really? Because it is common knowledge that men either don't know where the clit is or treat it like a scratch-off sticker. As long as the average man doesn't know how to do the sex, the whole idea of an open relationship doesn't appeal to me at all. If you can do open relationships and polyamory, then wow, the emotional intelligence and competence is impressive. And it reminds me of why BDSM also wouldn't work for me. Not only am I very lazy, I have ADHD. The less steps that have to be taken, the better. Because I will grab a thing, forget why I grabbed it halfway through, and then end up googling dolphins or something. So there shouldn't be too many steps involved. I noticed that when something becomes popular, all nuances flung out of the window. The, the narrative around it is kind of like if you're open-minded, sex positive and intellectual, surely there's no reason to not be poly. But I wanted to talk about why it's important that we bring nuance into the conversation. You either see people who are completely like, yeah, do it. Or people are like, no, no, look, uh, you know, God intended for us to be together and bored or whatever. A lot of people are kind of afraid to talk about the negative experiences they have in open relationships or in polyamorous relationships because they're so scared to make it look bad. But I strongly believe that we cannot do one without the other. You know, having the nuance is important so that people can make the right choices for themselves. I'm not gonna sit here and pretend like I've never considered an open relationship. In fact, at some point I was absolutely positive that if I were to meet someone and date them, that, that it would be an open situation. But it didn't take long for me to realize that this idea didn't come from a place of desire. It came from a very bitter, hurt place. A place where I didn't even dare to ask for what I wanted because I was convinced there is no way anyone was going to give it to me anyway. So do what you want, but do it for the right reasons. We can only make the right choices for ourselves if we know what the hell we're doing. We can talk about its bad sides without discrediting it completely. Because I feel like that's just kind of what we do here. All of this just to say, you know, know thyself is basically what I'm saying. I could have said one word and be done. Now that I've entirely exposed my emotional incompetence, I would like to know how you feel about polyamory or monogamy or, you know, just tell me, did it work? Did it not work? What did you find out about yourself? Are you super happy with five people now? Have, do you have any advice? You know, let's talk. But anyway, thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. 
and I'll see you in the next one. Bye.